Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Another really powerful thing that's from a VP's perspective, I think is important to know is that by having this thought leadership platform, by having these in-person meetups, you know that they are essentially always going to be up to date on the important information about whatever asset class it is they're investing in. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. As always, I'm Theo Hicks here today with Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Hey, Theo, I'm doing great. Well, today we are going to talk about 51 responsibilities of the general partner in apartment syndications. So as a passive investor, when you're hands off bringing in the passive investment dollars, what are the GPs doing behind the scenes? This will be a sneak peek behind the scenes look at what the GPs are doing with your capital. So Travis, do you want to give some more context about why we're talking about this today? Yeah, I'm excited to cover this topic, original blog post, I guess a Joe Fairless post, but it's important to understand both from an active and a passive perspective, what general partners are up to, because I hear things all the time, like why be a limited partner like I am, if you could make a lot more money being a GP. And I always kind of have to laugh at that because the full-time job, it's like saying, why not be a firefighter? Why do you work at your office job? Well, it's not for everyone. So <laughs> with that, another title could be 51 Reasons I Became a Passive Investor. That was kind of what I was thinking as I read this blog myself. I love that but, title. Yeah. So we're going to cover 51 responsibilities of general partners for the transparency on active and passive sides. And we'll break them down into three phases. So you've got your pre-contract before you even find a deal, contract to close once you find a deal, and then post-closing after you close the deal. So... Theo, any comments before I dive in? I'm just going to cover maybe 10 and then we'll pause and go from there. Yeah, I want to make one comment. So where do these 51 responsibilities come from? So we wrote the best ever syndication book that teaches people how to become apartment syndicators. So this is based off of a very, very condensed version of that 450 page book. So we're going to skip them educating themselves on commercial real estate to just jump into once they're ready to go and ready to start their business, what are the steps that they take before you even see that first deal? And then what happens after they have a deal and then after they close on the deal? So yeah, jump into these responsibilities. 
Yeah, exactly. So we'll say high level with it to your point. Obviously, if we talked about every single bullet point, this is going to be a 10 hour episode. So we're going to try to keep it in a normal time frame, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. So I'm going to dive in approximately eight to 10 at a time. And like I said, I'll pause, we'll go through them. So starting out right off the bat pre-contract. So select a potential target investment market and then evaluate potential target investment markets. Select one to two potential target markets, create a website, create a company presentation, who you are and what you do, define a target audience for a thought leadership platform. That'd be something like a podcast, for example, create and grow your thought leadership platform. This is building an audience, obviously. Create an in-person meetup group, create a Facebook group or a Facebook page. So I'll pause right there. That was quite a bit. And Theo, any thoughts on those? Yeah. So basically the two categories here are finding where they're going to invest, right? So it takes time. They're going to figure out what are the top markets, narrow it down because ideally, especially when you're first starting out, they're just focusing on one market and not spread too thin because they can hyper-specialize, hyper, become super knowledgeable on that market. But then at the same time, they're not just doing that. They need to build up their brand because how are they going to get passive investors if no one knows who they are? So every single GP is not going to have a thought leisure platform, like a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog, a Facebook page, a meetup group. They might not have all of those, but the idea here that we were teaching people is you want to have all of those, right? Cause you want to hit as many different angles as possible to attract those passive investors. And another really good, powerful thing that's from a the GP's perspective, I think is important to know is that by having this thought leadership platform, by having these in-person meetups, you know that they are essentially always going to be up to date on the important information about whatever asset class it is they're investing in. For example, having a podcast, they're probably doing a podcast based off of what they specialize in. So they're a multifamily investor. They're interviewing really successful multifamily investors and then other people who are involved in multifamily investing. So property managers, brokers, they're building those relationships, but they're also building their knowledge base so that they can learn from other people's mistakes, learn some of the best practices and things to avoid. So again, that first part, picking a target market is pretty straightforward. We've talked about how a passive investor can evaluate the target market once they look at a deal. Obviously, from a GP's perspective, it's a lot more in depth. And then the brand, why it is that they should have a brand. Exactly. Great points. And the only thing I'd add to that is newer general partners mostly approach me because I'm a limited partner with a lot of different operators to pick my brain, so to speak. And and the one thing I always advise is you got to remember who your target audience is, high net worth, high income individuals. So be professional. I've seen so many overviews with typos in them, with generic Google images that are blurry. It's like, come on, it's a competitive space (laughs) and you're trying to attract doctors and dentists and people see through that instantly not having legal disclaimers on things just be professional (laughs) that's all i have to say all right moving on so whatever we're on 11 through 20 or so so we're still in the pre-contract phase here's a few other items for general partners in terms of their responsibility find interview and select a property management company find interview and select a commercial real estate broker and or brokers, plural, find interview and select a commercial mortgage broker or lender, and then find a business partner, find an accountant who specializes in apartment syndications, find a real estate attorney, 
find a securities attorney. I'll cover that difference here in a minute. Find a loan guarantor and then define the roles and responsibilities of each member of the general partnership if you have multiple members and then set a GP compensation structure. I'll pause there. Theo, any thoughts on those? Yeah, so the big category here is the team. And so whoever the GP is, they're not doing every single thing themselves. Even if they were knowledgeable on all of these different things, it would be literally impossible for them to do it because it takes so much time. And so at this point, they will bring on all of the different people they need in order to manage the deal that your money is invested in. So you've got the property management company who's going to actually manage the actual property boots on the ground, the brokers who are going to find the deals and then go through that contract process. They need to get the financing. So they'll work with usually a broker on that. Typically you're going to find a business partner. So there's going to be multiple GPs. I'm sure it's possible there's one, but most of the time there's going to be multiple GPs. And then obviously accounted for taxes. Travis will focus more on the attorneys. A loan guarantor, this is usually when they're first starting out. They're going to need to have certain net worth requirements, so something a passive investor could possibly do, right? But then you're going to be a GP, so it's not necessarily passive and you don't have the protections of the limited partner, but it's a way to make extra money would be to sign on the loan to provide them with that liquidity and net worth requirement. Once they get bigger and then a couple of deals and they can do that themselves, but starting out, we teach people to do that. And then since there's multiple GPs, who is doing what? Who gets paid for what? So the passive investor, and one of the things we talked about when you are vetting a sponsor or a syndication team is who are the GPs, what are they doing, and why can they do that thing? What's their background? What's their experience that allows them to do that? So on the back end, that's what they're figuring out. I'm a GP. I'm really good at asset management, but I am not a people person and I have no idea how to raise capital. So I'll partner up with someone who maybe has a really big network, is really good at raising money. We'll partner up and then together we'll do syndication deals together. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. 
thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. The only thing I want to highlight on the attorney stuff, there's obviously a difference between a real estate attorney and a securities attorney. Some people confuse the two. So simply put, a real estate attorney they're helping you with your purchase and sales agreement, basically your loan docs, all things related to your lender, escrow, title company, stuff like this. A securities attorney is helping you set up your companies, structure your deal, be compliant, obviously, with the SEC and securities laws and stuff like that. So you need to have both if you're going to be raising capital. Exactly. All right. I'm going to wrap up pre-contract. We only have a few left and then I'll hand it off to you for contract to close. So last few to think about. Create a list of investor emails. You could use a service like MailChimp, for example, any kind of mass email sending service. You're going to have to have something like that. Find passive investors. That could be an hour-long conversation in itself. That's a big one. Build relationships with commercial real estate brokers. Subscribe to commercial real estate brokers on market email lists. And implement marketing strategies to generate off-market deals. Underwrite deals, submit a letter of intent, an LOI, and negotiate uh, PSA. Any thoughts on these? Yeah, so basically before this point, they're not even looking at deals yet. They're not even talking with passive investors yet. This is all the foundation set first, ideally. Not everyone does this, but ideally they have the foundation set first so that once they start talking to you, they have the ability to take down a deal. So you'll see that nothing we talked about so far was actually looking at deals, analyzing deals. So they'll start looking for the money first, generating verbal interest. And then they'll start focusing on those relationships with brokers to find those on-market deals as well as potentially off-market deals. And then they'll also start doing things to generate off-market leads, different types of mailing services and, and things like that. Again, some DPs might just focus only on on-market deals. It's really going to depend. But the whole point here that we wanted to make is that the best sponsors are not just instantaneously going out there and looking for deals. They're putting the team together first. They've got their brand. They got their education done. They got money. They're not going out there and asking brokers for $10 million deals and they can't buy them. And then once they have all that set in stone, they'll go out there and start looking for deals. Once they get the other deals come in, they'll have some sort of underwriting process to analyze them. We've talked about on the show before how you can bet a deal on their end. They've got a very detailed cash flow model that they're inputting deals into. They're going there in person and visiting the property. They're pulling comps. They're talking to property management companies and brokers to figure out exactly how the deal will operate to the best of their knowledge so that they can create an offer price, submit their offer, and then negotiate a purchase and sales agreement, which is what a PSA is. Yep, exactly. So hopefully everybody listening, you're starting to see this is quite a job <laughs> and we're exactly only in pre-contract <laughs> out of the three phases. So the only thing I'd add to that section is back to the idea of finding passive investors. So what Theo pointed out is excellent. Find another general partner that's going to work with you, a business partner that maybe has a network, number one. If you don't do that or don't want to do that, you can always work with broker dealers, stay compliant, whatnot. They can help raise capital legally for you, that kind of stuff. Just Things to think about if you have no network. There's even crowdfunding platforms. There's different things you can do to get yourself in front of an audience. You're going to pay for those things, but 
just don't feel like you personally have to get out there and go raise $30 million on your own with no network because you're probably not going to do that. <laughs> so Theo, I'll let you take contract phase here, phase two. Perfect. So now the deal is under contract. So when we say contract to contract, it's that initial selling the contract to the closing contract. You're signing the contract. The deal is officially closed. You own the property now, right? So they're going to perform due diligence on the deal. So when they're underwriting, they did a high level due diligence, but there's certain things you can't do until you're under contract. Like you can't see every single unit. You can't bring a bunch of inspectors into the property. You can't do certain types of reporting that needs to be done before you have to deal under contract. So this is when they'll be able to do a lot more investigations of the property. And then at the same time, while they're doing all this, they'll create an investment summary and they'll announce the deal to you, the passive investor. And then they'll do some sort of conference call webinar to go into more details on the opportunity. We have here sending that recording to the investors, the best practice that GPs can do because not every single person can make the one specific time call. From the due diligence side, they're also going to focus on creating those legal documents, the PPMs, subscription agreements that you, the passive investor, needs to sign. And then they usually create a lot of LLCs for the property. The LLC that owns a property, an LLC that you're investing in, because technically you're investing in an entity, you're not investing in the actual property. We'll set up the various bank accounts for the property. They'll work with a lender to get the financing. So they've already talked to a mortgage broker or a lender. They have an idea of what type of debt they can qualify for. This is just more of it being official. Everyone has most likely gotten a mortgage before. So it's essentially the exact same thing, but a little bit more in depth. Some more reports are required, more financial documents are required from the borrowers. So that kind of covers the whole due diligence process. So while they're securing commitments from UD Passive Investor, they're doing all these other things to ensure that the property is still worth buying. Technically, they could back out based off of the contingencies they have in the contract for some sort of environmental problem or if something was misrepresented. There's lots of different reasons why they can back out. But as long as everything passes the SNF test, the due diligence, and they have the capital from passive investors, they close on the deal. Awesome. A couple of quick little tidbits just from me as an LP. So when you announce a new deal to your investor list, make sure that email looks really good, first of all. Think about your headlines and your little taglines and your little hooks and stuff. And also, don't just announce a deal with no call to action. Don't just say we have a new deal. Here it is. Here's the overview. <laughs> have links. Subscribe now. Pre-commit to it or get on the list for the next deal even before you announce the deal. Stuff like this to start getting and generating interest. Make sure people know it's limited capacity. It's first come, first serve, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of interest in it, stuff like that. But most importantly, just make it simple for people. Again, who's your audience? Busy people. <laughs> They're checking their phone email real quick. Oh, a new deal. If there's not an immediate click here to do something, it's like, I'll look at that later. And then it's in the deleted and they may never invest. They may just forget about it. So make it easy on people. Same thing when you do your webinar or your conference call. Don't make people go through hoops to get the replay. I hate that. First, you have to opt into this. Then we'll send you an email with the recap later. It's like, no, no, no. Just send the recap. Click here. And then it starts playing. So just a couple of things to think about on the GP side, just little pain points for me and things that I see a lot of people are not going to invest because of you have to click 20 buttons just to get somewhere with it. So that's all I got. Yeah, I make it very simple. And we kind of dig through, because we do the actively passive show, but I also do 
the syndication school where we talk about syndications, specializing in apartments, but the same concepts apply to all syndications on the active side. And so I've gone over sample closing emails that have been sent in the past, sample deal announcement emails. So you should be able to find those if you're interested at syndicationschool.com. Find that episode and there's links to free documents in those episodes. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. So post-closing. So the deal's closed on. I guess technically this first one should be done a little bit before closing, and that's creating the announcement email for the investors. A really good best practice is to really answer all the commonly thought of questions that past investors are going to have about the next steps after the deal is closed. And so when do I get paid? How much do I get paid? How do I get paid? When am I going to hear from you? What type of information am I going to get when I hear from you? Who's my point person? If I have any questions, or I want to change how I get paid, things like that. So a good best practice is to have the email that have a separate PDF guide that answers frequently asked questions for that specific opportunity. And then you'll put all this together in an email and blast it out to your investors the day of closing. And then another best practice is that they'll have their management company essentially in the parking lot while they're going through the closing process. So once they send in the text or the call that the property's ours, they can go there immediately and start implementing the business plan as opposed to waiting maybe a day or it's a weekend waiting until the next Monday to get started. And then from there, they're going to implement the business plan. This is when the asset management phase comes in. So I'm going to quickly go through some of the main responsibilities of asset management. But as Travis says, it's a full-time job while you're also looking for more deals and doing all the other things we've mentioned so far. So creating the recap emails that are sent out to investors, sending out financials to investors on an annual basis, getting those K-1 tax documents prepared and sent out to investors on time so they can file their taxes on time answering any incoming questions from investors, whether it's via email or via phone call. The main responsibility would be overseeing the property management company, right? So the management company is there every day, helping with leasing, overseeing the construction crews. They're doing some sort of renovations to the property. So making sure that they're on top of the management company, that they're on top of people that they're responsible for. And this is usually accomplished through some sort of performance call with the property management company. Usually every Monday morning, there's a weekly call and they'll go through the KPIs, the key performance indicators at the property. Again, different GPs are going to focus on different things depending on what the asset is. But essentially just making sure that here's what we assumed. Here are our projections. Are we hitting those? Are we exceeding those? Or are we below those? If we're exceeding those, let's do more of that. If we're below, well, then we need to figure out what the problem is and then identify a solution and implement the solution so we can let our investors know that, we're on top of this and not notifying them three months later that something went wrong. They'll also be frequently analyzing rents. Usually this is done through software, but depending on the size of the deal, the type of deal, they might do it manually, as well as analyzing the overall market conditions to determine when to sell. So obviously they have a projected hold period when they first buy the property, but 
They don't have to stick to that. They could sell early. They could sell exactly at that time or they could sell later. So they should be frequently looking at the market, looking at cap rates, the NOI, to see if they can exceed those projections to you, the passive investor, sooner. Because money now is better than money later. They'll make sure that you're getting your distributions on time as well. So those are the main asset management duties. There's more that goes into it, but those are the high level main responsibilities. And then eventually they will decide to sell the deal. So the sales process, you're going to have another syndicator or another investor doing the same thing that the sponsor you're investing with did when they were in the contract to contract close. So this is just the other side of that. And so working with the buyer to close on the deal, obviously the market, the deal first, find the buyer, go contract to close and then close. And then once you're closed, ensuring that the proper distributions are sent out to the investors, maybe the 1031. So they have to identify a new deal within a certain time frame, but they're responsible for overseeing the sale. So that's a lot. And as Travis said, it's a full-time job. So while they're overseeing the property, they're also trying to get more deals. They're also working on their brand. They're also trying to generate passive investor income. Maybe they're doing something else at the same time. So this is why we've kind of talked about when you're betting the GP, hopefully they're doing this full-time. This is their full-time gig. They're not doing it part-time. They're bringing on the right team members to help them with this process because there's a lot going on here. Exactly. That 100%. You know, I think some sometimes, Theo, uh, and, and I've fallen prey to this too, sometimes you go to an event or a conference or you read a book and, and you get this, this light bulb moment, this big epiphany. Wow, I could be doing this or that and I could make so much money. And, you know, it's just you, you get all ramped up and, and ready to go. But, you know, take a step back, <laughs> really do your due diligence, right? I mean, do your research and understand how much really goes into this. This is not just a, a, a get rich, you know, kind of thing. You know, this is truly not only a full-time job, you have to be very good at doing this stuff. You have to be very competitive in this space. It's a super competitive space. I don't think that many people understand that. So play to your strengths is the biggest thing that I can advise anybody. For some, they're awesome GPs. It's like they were born to be a GP and that's awesome. They take care of their investors. They underpromise. they over-deliver, they can handle it. They do it the right way as we're describing. For others, an LP route is really just probably the best approach. <laughs> Instead of being responsible for handling people's money and making mistakes and getting sued and going down a whole nother kind of path, <laughs> the doomsday of being a GP, an LP route might make the most sense. If you're just after some passive income, tax advantages, participating in the real estate market, stuff like that. So we're all different, not telling anyone what to do, but just play to your strengths. That's the bottom line. And the only other thing I want to add to the last segment that you were on there is I'm a huge advocate for monthly everything, monthly reporting, monthly distributions. That's always been my thing. But of course, I live on passive income, so I'm a little biased there. But even if you're going to do quarterly distributions, let's say, I would still do monthly updates. You're going to save yourself a lot of time and effort. People have questions. And as things happen over three, four months, people are going to be chiming in. They're going to be calling you. They're going to be emailing you. What do you think about this Biden administration and 1031s? And hey, what about that tornado that came through Dallas? What's the deal? Is the property okay? So just keep people informed, be transparent. And if you can, if you're willing to, if you have the infrastructure to, I'm, do monthly distributions and monthly reporting. That's my take on it. Because even those that may not care about it, it's certainly not going to be an anti-anything. They're going to be okay with it. But you might lose some investors 
because they're looking for monthly income and you only offer quarterly. So just something to think about. Of course, you have to be doing stabilized assets and cash flow focused investments, but that's all I got. I really like what you said about the new concept or ideas like, oh, this sounds great. I can be a, a GP and you know, make all this money. Well, hopefully today kind of shed some light on not that simple, right? And some people really enjoy being a full-time GP going through this process and other people don't enjoy that. So if it's something that you don't think you're going to like, there's other jobs out there, other ways to get involved in real estate, other ways to make money in real estate. So I believe we talked about this on Actively Passive. We were talking about the shiny object syndrome versus the analysis versus paralysis syndrome. So make sure you find that happy medium. Make sure you're never investing in a deal because the market doesn't meet every single criteria and then the GP doesn't meet every single criteria and the deal doesn't meet every single criteria. But similarly, don't avoid investing because you keep getting distracted by apartments and then self-storage sounds great, but then mobile home is supposed to be really good too. So kind of find that happy medium as well. So if you don't have anything else, Travis, that's all I have. This is a sneak peek uh, behind the curtains look at what it's like to be an active syndicator, mostly focused on apartments. But again, a lot of these concepts will apply to other types of deals as well. So thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on either this show or our 60 second question segment on YouTube, you can email me, Theo at JoeFairless.com. And until next week, have a best ever day. Thanks, Theo. Thanks, everybody.